Hello and welcome to the Research Connection Podcast, the show that brings current expertise and cutting-edge research and connects it with users in the community. So let's get started. Uh, could each of you introduce yourselves so we know who's talking? Sure. Um, hi everyone, I'm Evdichia Michalakis. I'm a professor at Brandon University in the Department of Classical and Modern Languages um, and Gender Women's Studies. I, I teach uh, French language courses and um, French and Francophone culture and literature courses. And many of uh, my courses are also interdisciplinary and crossover with uh, historical, cultural and um, social issues related to gender. My name is Eva Eberts, and I am the uh, French curriculum specialist for the Brandon School Division. And uh, basically, my job is to uh, support teachers and students um, in improving their uh, French language learning, their uh, appreciation of French culture, and basically validation of their French language experience. Hi, everyone. I am Jackie Kirk, and I am one of the co-hosts of the podcast. I'm the chair of leadership and educational administration in the Faculty of Education at Brandon University. The one thing I was thinking about, Michelle, is that it might be good just to say to the listeners that, you know, we are observing our stay-at-home request and that there might be background noise today that, you know, normally wouldn't be part of our podcast, but it could happen from anyone's home. Um, Mm -hmm. Specifically, mine might be dog barking, but we'll try to guard against that. Yeah, we'll do our best. It is what it is. Yeah, we're all working from home. Uh, My name is Michelle Lam. I'm the director of BU CARES. CARES is the Centre for Aboriginal and Rural Education Studies. So to get started, I thought it would be good to just talk a little bit about terminology. And I know there are different words for French, Francophone, French language programs, French immersion programs. So I thought, could we just start there? And can you just give us sort of the basics, a primer on what language we should be using? Sure. Um, uh, Eva, if you want to jump in at any time, uh, feel free. Um, So I thought it would be important to uh, just talk a little bit about um, some of the vocabulary words that we use in reference to all of those adjectives um, to which you were referring, Michelle. Um, One important thing that I've learned as um, a native Quebecois coming to Manitoba um, more than three and a half years now, um, is that there's a really clear distinction to be made between French and Francophone or Franco-Canadian. And I think that's important because when we say French, uh, we could refer to the French language, but French refers to the nation of France. Um, And in that respect, um, using terms like Franco-Canadian, which which was recently approved by uh, many associations, um, literary and cultural associations across Canada, and also teaching associations across Canada, um, as being specific to the historical evolution of Franco-Canadian communities, both um, intra-provincially and inter-provincially, Um, make it significant for us to identify that. When we speak about French, therefore, I think we're really speaking about the language or we're speaking about the country or the nation of France, but in the context of Canada, because French is one of the two official languages and there are specific identity and cultural um, specificities in each province, then Franco-Canadian or Franco-Manitoban or Franco-Albertan or Quebecois, uh, these are the types of adjectives um, 
which are more representative of the reality of each province. And in Brandon, maybe Ava, you could talk to this. In Brandon, what is the current state of French language programs? Uh, sure, like in terms of our French immersion programs, the, the numbers have been steady, steadily rising, um, although more recently, um, uh, from the latest numbers I've heard that they're starting to plateau a little bit, but in general, it the immersion program still tends to be a very, very popular program. And um, in terms of the uh, English program for French, uh, again, we still have um, good numbers in the grades four to six. Um, more recently, with some of the changes in middle year options, we have seen some drops in numbers in grades seven and eight. Uh, but again, for the students that are taking the courses in grades seven and eight, the French language courses, they really see the value in um, French, not just as a subject, but as a life skill. So, unfortunately, we have a good, a strong parent group that also advocates for uh, students taking French. Are most of those students from Franco-Canadian communities, or do you have students that are from English-speaking families? When you talk to uh, representatives from the Bureau d'Education Française, um, if you talk about anyone who's Francophone, Francophone doesn't just mean French first language. Francophone means someone who speaks and is learning French or to whichever degree of, of mastery. And um, so with some of these families, you have one parent speaking French, in some cases, both parents. Uh, in many, many cases for immersion families, neither parent speaks French. So mm -hmm. the, um, the, the attraction for French immersion isn't just to pursue a language that is already spoken within the family, it's to pursue a, a skill that'll, that'll help students, not just in their current language development, both in their first language and second language, but also in um, career opportunities um, and also uh, uh, appreciation for other cultures and, and uh, other global perspectives. I wonder now that we're social distancing and schools have shut down. How is that going to affect people who are in a French immersion program, but the parents don't have the language skills necessarily to support their French learning? Well, it's, it's uh, the, the fortunate thing we have is within the Brandon School Division is um, we have the ability to um, provide meetings, conferences online, just as we're doing now. Instead of using Zoom, we use um, Microsoft Teams. But the idea is the same. So teachers are still able to meet with their students, converse with their students, either one-on-one -on -one or in small groups. Large groups can be a little bit more challenging just because of the nature of technology. If you have too many people talking at the same time, there's lots of feedback. But I think like with anything, if you if you structure, you know, um, the and organize the, the content and the, the, the norms of the meeting appropriately, then it can still be a very effective way to help students keep up their oral language skills um, in a virtual environment. Um, and it's not just contact with the teachers. We still have um, EAs. Uh, we still have our language monitor who we can also um, help use to support the teachers in having as many people communicate in French with the students as possible, especially in the families where the, neither parent speaks French. So for Franco-Manitobans in places like Brandon, is it hard to find a sense of community? Are there large enough numbers to have that kind of community feel? Well, it's interesting because when the um, province did their French language review a few years ago, that was one of the things they asked schools and teachers to look at. What was the level of engagement in the French community? And at the time when that question first came out, a lot of us had this perception of a French community means, you know, a French first language you know, group within your, your community. And, um, you know, we quickly realized that, you know, 
we do have some French communities nearby, but it's not always realistic to engage with them regularly. Um, some, you know, if you go to Notre Dame de Lourdes, beautiful place, but lots of French first language speakers, but it also is, um, you know, a long drive away, so it's not really realistic. So what we have been doing is we've been really pushing the idea of helping students realize that uh, the French community isn't just French first language speakers, it's also all of us who are in the process of learning the French language. So we've um, been trying to engage with, um, you know, partnerships between classrooms, um, getting uh, students together between grades, uh, doing things like a, a field trip to see a French movie for several different grade levels so that kids get together and see that it's not just they themselves in their classroom speaking French, but there are other groups of people in the community that are also learning French. Did you find that coming here from Quebec and then coming Well, to there's, I guess my big question is, um, and I think Eva certainly touched on it uh, very well, is, is to really redefine what community means um, because um, depending on where you come from and, and, and the relative importance and historical identity of what it means to be uh, part of a Francophone community, um, that will affect you know, your concept of how to participate in the community. Um, so certainly what I try to do um, as someone who's not originally from Manitoba is I really try not to compare my experience of what it's like to be a Quebecoise um, to what it's like to be a French speaker or um, a Franco-Manitoban Franco because I just think that it's, it's, it's would be disregarding the richness of what it is to be inherently uh, part of a community here. Um, and so part of the tradition for me, the transition for me was to really move towards recognizing the specificities here and seeing what I can do to facilitate my students feeling more engaged and also really understanding that the university is in itself a community as opposed to thinking of the community as something that happens in your family or through your family. Um, what happens with students arriving in university is that because they become adults in university, they also have to negotiate what it's like to redefine their own concept of community outside of their primary social relationships. Um, and so in that respect, the university really becomes a space of community in which the classroom is not only a classroom that prepares them to have basic skills, but also allows them to think philosophically and culturally and historically about the concept of community. And many of my students really wish that all of the hard work that they engaged in with their, with their um, teachers in high school and middle school and in university, they really wish that there were more opportunities for them beyond that. And the, the, the biggest struggle or the biggest difficulty, and I wish that, and this, this is why this Pascat is so important for me, is that I really want our students to know that uh, we all have a very important responsibility. Um, and that responsibility is not incumbent only upon us as instructors of French language and culture, but also all of our allies who are not necessarily um, Francophones, uh, but really belong to the larger Canadian context. And they have an important role to play as allies 
to providing the resources that are, resources that are necessary and to listening to us when we're, we're expressing our needs. Could you talk a little bit about the progression from French immersion school or a French language program in K-12 to transitioning to university and then beyond into career? What does that look like locally? Maybe Eva can talk about all of the pre-university stuff and then I could talk about the university sure. stuff. Yeah, like if, um, if a student is uh, in French immersion, then they, can, can, they have the opportunity to continue their French immersion studies through high school in, in Neelan. And um, uh, if they're in the English program, then um, they have the opportunity to take the French language courses um, up until like grade seven and eight, it's a choice for them. And then again, in grade nine, if they choose to continue their French language studies, they have that opportunity. In terms of like the, the transition from uh, end of high school into career, um, from what I've observed from like my own past students who I've seen in the community, it really depends on the student and the degree of commitment to the student to, and, and willingness to take risks of the student to, to practice their French language skills in every context possible. So for example, I you know, know of uh, some students that work in local businesses and, and I always walk in, I always speak to them in French, I always get that look of them, it's like, oh no, she's gonna make me speak French. <laughs> And, but my point, my point is, like, and I always have a conversation about it. My, I just want to make sure you guys have an opportunity to practice it because you know I'm not going to judge you. And everyone feels when they're practicing their French, like they're going to be judged if they make a mistake. So basically, it, it depends on on the student. If they're a student who is, you know, willing and brave enough to take those risks and keep working on their French language skills in every context, every opportunity possible then they tend to be um, much more successful, much more confident in writing down, yes, I can speak French on their, on their CV and resume because they have that opportunity to speak French in many contexts. One of the things that is possible is if a student continues their studies in French in the academic realm and doesn't take advantage of the different social and recreational opportunities to practice their language, then their language can be very well developed in the academic realm, but they might, have, they might lack a lot of vocabulary and linguistic skills in using their French in other contexts. And so I think that's also important too, is not just, you know, you're willing to continue to study the French, but also continue to see it, not just as, the, you know, that subject area, that thing I do related to my academics or to my schooling, but also a skill that you practice um, and incorporate as part of your lifestyle to use whenever you, whenever you can in the community. Right, well, I think that there's, there's some... Um there's some specificities to add there in terms of what happens in university. Uh, because one of the things that happens that's um, really specific to pursuing either um, just term to term courses um, in the French program or French department across Canada, or whether you decide to major or minor, is that you would still be taking languages courses. Um, you would be taking at least four courses in languages and then everything you do after that is entirely in French. So in fact having courses entirely in French as opposed to just learning French means you're applying everything that you've learned this far in a context that it's not that is not just about um, what is useful in your everyday. Uh, because part of pursuing a degree in university is really expanding your horizons beyond what is useful in, in your everyday. Um, something that is pre prepares students in, uh, through high school, but once they arrive in university, you really want them to 
be able to experiment with different uh, venues and different horizons. Um, and in that respect, I agree with you, Eva, when you say that it really depends on the, uh, the level of risk that each student is willing to take. I've, I've been privy to that type of conversation with my students quite a bit. There many of them are afraid to commit to something um, as great as majoring in French in university because they're afraid that they're not necessarily going to find a job afterwards. Um, others are afraid because they're like, well, where, where am I going to speak French beyond my degree? If I don't want to work in the government, where else do I speak it? And so this, and then others are like, well, it doesn't really matter where uh, I'll get to speak it. What matters is that it's important for me. And because Canada has two official languages, and frankly, uh, you don't really need to pursue your studies in English to speak in English, uh, pursue your studies in English to speak in English because English is a hegemonic language. It's going to be everywhere anyways. Uh, many students feel like they might as well really focus and perfect uh, their knowledge of French language and culture and Francophone language and culture because they know that they're going to add that to their profile. And in the long run, even if immediately they don't know what they'll gain, in the long run, they're putting all of the chances on their side. Jackie, I saw you sort of smiling this whole time when you were when we were talking about students taking risks. What's going on in your corner? Just it totally resonates with me that um, you know part I don't have um, a second language, and a big part of that is my unwillingness to put it out there and try it out and I just like I've noticed that I have friends and family that um, are understanding social distancing differently than I do I have friends and family that are much more willing to take that risk um, even if their pronunciation isn't perfect and another thing that resonated with me was yeah just saying I wish you know like uh, back in grade nine, probably I had the highest mark in French in my class. And um, it going into grade 10, it took a bigger commitment to continue with French because Saskatchewan was discontinuing it as something as a required class for graduation. And so I really wanted to make the bigger commitment, but I couldn't convince any of my friends to do that with me. And Knowing what I know now, I wish I had followed through with it then, just like you said. It would have been life-changing for where I am now in my career because I think I, I really would have used it if I had followed through with it. And if I could go back in time, I'd probably make a different decision. But now I'm stuck with what I remember from my grade nine French and it's not that much. But now well, you're an I, ally. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think too is, um, French language educators, I think um, one of the things that we really need to remember is that, you know, we can't just teach like, you know, the language structures and the rules and the, the vocabulary in French. We also have to share our passion for the language. Um, so, you know, we're, I don't speak French just because I have to. 
I speak French because I want to, because I love to be able to learn another language. I love to be able to communicate with someone here, there, if you travel internationally at all. French is a very common language spoken in many different countries, not just in, in Canada. And um, so I, I think one of the things that we've been really focusing on through looking at uh, teaching strategies such as total physical response, language learning through storytelling, comprehensible input, um, the AIM method where they've used gestures to, to, turn, to learn languages, is we're looking at different ways of engaging students to have fun learning French and to uh, really uh, see that it's not just a subject, not just a, you know, a grammar lesson, that it is so much more. It's, it's a, a, a new way to communicate, new way to appreciate new language, new culture, and it's, it's um, really all about sharing the passion, not just the language learning. Thank you for listening to the Research Connection podcast. You can visit our website for links to everything that was mentioned in the episode and for more Research Connection content at www.brandonu.ca slash bu-cares. Be sure to rate and subscribe so you can stay up to date with current research that impacts your community. Thank you.